Well, good evening to you. Welcome along to Genesis Christian Radio. It's Amos with you to hell for the next couple of hours. And just want to make a little announcement reference Pastor Samson, who unfortunately is stuck in very, very heavy traffic on the uh, Essex side of the M25 coming over the bridge. He's just called me to say, we're stuck, no one's moving, nothing's happening. Please start the programme without me. Of course we will, but uh, we do need you eventually, because it is your programme. So I'm just going to give him a quick call, just to see what exactly is uh, the current state of play. So bear with me a second, just while I dial up the number. But um, I've already picked out an appropriate song as well to play for Samson to to speed his journey here to us. So I do hope um, that this... uh, Traffic incident or whatever it may be is just a a small issue and we can address it very, very quickly. So the phone's ringing. Let's see if we can get Samson on the line. Samson, are you there? Good evening to you. Samson, we're really, really good. We're just concerned that you're stuck in traffic and you're not going to get here because we've got a lot of people obviously want to listen to your ministry tonight. So it's just just to say hello to you and say, you know, the Lord will work through this, but um, we're praying you'll get here as soon as you can. might be an option but um it'd be nice for you to come here if you can but if, if we can't we will work something out the lord will always make a way and that, that's the truth so whereabouts are you i believe you're up on the essex side somewhere uh yes that's very that's very correct just before the the crossing uh that's what's causing the service um um area we are and, and do we know what's caused us is it an accident or what, what's causing the problem ah oh, well, oh, right okay Okay, well, we'll play some music and we'll run another program in the meantime. I've got a new program to bring to our listeners tonight anyway from our Friends of Israel, which is the name of the ministry. So it's the first time we'll be hearing that in Genesis. So please make your way here as quickly as you can, but as safely as you can. And uh, we'll hopefully get everything running with the Lord's will. Samson, I'm going to play this for you in the meantime. It's a friend friend of mine from Kenya and his name is Patrick Uyaro. And the song's called God Will Will Make a Way, as he always does. Bless you, brother. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, so there we go. Patrick Uyaro and God Will Make a Way is the song we'll play in a minute. But in the meantime, I just want to mention something for you that um, you might be interested in if you happen to be in the London area, Kent area, that's your general area, on Saturday evening. That's this Saturday coming. And you can pop along to a wonderful event with Simon Elman, Christy Rogers and Helen Shapiro. Collectively, they call themselves Hibion. And they are a Hebrew and Messianic worship band. And obviously Helen is very famous as regards her singing and her ministry, not just here in the UK, but across the world. So if you want to hear them sing, if you haven't heard them sing before, it's it's ministry, it's praise and worship, it's fellowship all together in a wonderful evening, a collective evening of music, which is Hebraic in its style of worship. So Messianic worship style from Helen and uh, from Simon and Chrissy there. Pop along to John Hayward's church at uh, Court Farm in Elton, Stroke Mottingham. The actual address is Court Farm Road in Elton and the, the address there is SE94JS SE94JS I'll put it on the website as well just in case you haven't got any means of writing that down but please if you can go along to this you will be seriously blessed you'll have a great great evening and it's just a simple free will offering at the end of the evening just to uh, 
say thank you to Helen and the guys for popping along. So please do that. Please pop along. If you're anywhere near it whatsoever, you really will be blessed. If you've never praised in a Hebraic Messianic style before, I can guarantee you, you will have a wonderful night. It really is an awesome thing. It really is wonderful. The way our Jewish brothers and sisters worship the Lord really is powerful. And we sing quite a lot of uh, Jewish Messianic uh, praise and worship songs in our church. And simply because of the style and just the rhythm and everything else, it really does lift your spirits in a way that I find sometimes other music doesn't. One other thing I've got to tell you as well, by the way, my good friend Sally has sent me an email. And if you can get anywhere near central London on Saturdays here in the next couple of months, in February, right all the way through, at a certain place, which I'm going to tell you now, it's called, where's it gone? Where am I? Where's it gone? Do, do, do. Yes, the All Saints Clubhouse. It was in a preview that I had to look for the full title. It's the All Saints Clubhouse in Cleveland Street, just near Langham Place. Um, we have a series of meetings that are going on on a regular basis every Saturday morning from 10 o'clock until 3 throughout the year. The next one is on 6th of February. Chris Hill will be speaking there. Chris Hill from CL Ministries from 10 o'clock until 3. If you know Chris, he's an author, he's a Bible teacher. And he's a really, really powerful guy. So I do encourage you to get along to that. And the next one will be on the uh, 27th of February with Pastor Samson himself. If he's not still stuck in traffic, it is from Moments of Truth from 10 o'clock to 3. So have a look at that. All the details, again, are on the website. So let's go to a program just to uh, cover things which Samson hasn't been able to cover because he's stuck in traffic. We'll take a program for Friends of Israel. And I do encourage you to have a look at our website on Genesis Christian Radio. You'll find a list of all our programs and all our program links there as well where you can listen to the programs. It wasn't recording you. It was, it was something playing on the radio.
he was a homeless again. He was a traveler. His name was not respectable. Indeed, his birth seemed continually questionable. He knew loneliness. He knew betrayal. He knew loss. He knew temptation. He knew silence. He saw and heard the waves beating on the shore and felt the sun and let the salt wind sand his face. He bathed. He talked. He tasted. He touched. He smelt. He looked. He listened. He heard. He worshipped. His beating heart made him live. And in all these human things he was made like us. His brethren dwelt among us. Yes, he became without sin one of us. However, my friends, in three great things, the word made flesh differs from us. First, in him was no sin. There was in Jesus no sin nature to ghost his steps, no dark matter to incline his heart to evil. In him was no sin. He did no sin. Second, he didn't die like us. I would propose that Jesus would never have aged. I suggest that Jesus would have remained a perfect 33 years of age forever. And if you want to know how old you're going to be in heaven, guess what? I think we'll be a perfect 33. I would also suggest that death had no power over his humanity and that he would have indeed lived forever. No, he did not die like us as any consequence of his own sin or of any sin nature bequeathed to him through the first Adam. He had neither of those. However, Jesus did die and he died a sinner's death. Yes, he died all sinners' deaths. Jesus, you see, was the spotless Lamb of God upon whom was placed all the sins of the world and for which he suffered and died. Jesus did not die like us. He died for us. Thirdly, the word made flesh differs by his own power. He rose again from the dead, you see. Having paid the full penalty for our sin, death couldn't hold him, and he therefore rose again victorious from the dead as the conqueror, the last Adam, who is the first fruit of the real, new world order, the template of all that we who are in him shall also become. And by these three great differences, the word became flesh to fulfill the purpose of bringing many sons to glory. Listen, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 to 11. Pray with me, please. O Christ our Saviour, the first fruits of our creation, encourage our hearts today to know that when we see you, we shall be like you. O God in heaven, O God-man in heaven, O wonder of the angels, darling of our hearts, we worship you this day and will always do so, O Lord, our God. Choose tomorrow, one night at a time, same time, same station. Tonight's night was back, was brought to you by Pastor Victor Robert Farrell. Of Night Whispers and president of the 66 Book Ministry. If you want more Night Whispers, then please go to www.night-whispers.com. That's www.night-whispers.com.
Yes, indeed. That's Victor Robert Farrell from the 66 Books Ministry. He also has a little sideline thing, shall we say, where he has this programme called Night Whispers, which will be starting Monday here in Genesis Christian Radio, playing out in the evening along with the, the Moody Bible Institute and Night Moves. Well, if you've just tuned in and you're expecting to hear Samson, Samson's stuck somewhere in Essex. There's a visa problem or something. I'm not sure what's going on there. But there's been a major traffic chaos problem out there with roadworks, and he's just stuck. He can't get anywhere near us. So we're running late. So what we're proposing to do, I'm going to play a song, and I'm going to call him up on, on the phone, and we'll do what we can with Samson on the phone as best as we can. Um, it's not the ideal. It's not what we intended to do. We want to have that interaction with you, phoning in, etc. So we'll have to rely on your comments via the text and the email and i'll give you those numbers etc in a moment's time so we're going to take a song then i will read the chapter just in case you're not totally familiar with it and then we'll do what we can with samson on the phone so please don't go away stay listening to genesis christian radio the devil doesn't get his way jesus christ is king and he's the one that says what happens and this program is going ahead all right so we'll do a play a bit of Jim Reeves. Haven't heard Jim Reeves for a long time. Samson, what we're going to do is I'm going to leave the phone on. I'm going to read out uh, Matthew, the, the, the entire chapter, and then we'll just leave the phone on. I'll, I'll keep the phone on open to you, and then we'll just run the program as uh, best uh, as we can. Can you hear me okay, okay. to do that? Uh, I did hear you very well, but the update is that the road is clear now, so we should be there before 8.30. Right, what I'll do then, we'll keep doing this, because just in case there's another hiccup, because the devil never gives up, okay. but we'll... At the end of this record, I will start reading the chapter. Do you, do you reckon, how, how far away are you from this side of the river? Okay. How, how far away uh, are you, how far away are you from the, uh, from across the river? The, the, uh, that's what's on, I think we're in M1. In the M20? Oh, fantastic. So literally, you're only 15, 20 minutes away. Yeah. This will work out perfect, Samson. I'll start this on this. Okay. We'll make another little chat in the meantime. Fantastic, brother. Leave the phone okay. on. Leave the phone on. All right, speak to you in a second. Yes, bye. Samson? So leave the phone on. Okay, he's gone. Right. The Lord is definitely a gracious God, a wonderful saviour. I've just spoken to Samson. Traffic's moving. He's halfway across the bridge from the Essex to Kent side, which is absolutely fan-tabby-dozy. Doesn't get any better than that. So hopefully he'll be here in the next 15 to 20 minutes. So what I'll do, as I promised, I will just read the chapter because it's going to take a little while as well. And we'll go through that and then we'll just play some music, etc. until Samson does eventually get here. 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judea, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time that the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I may too come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, of frankincense and of myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother, and while it was still night, and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and younger, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more.
But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, he took the child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene.
just love that hymn. It's absolutely awesome, isn't it? Great is thy faithfulness. Well, this is Genesis Christian Radio, and you should have been listening to Pastor Samson Jabutu from Moments of Truth Ministries from about half past seven. Well, exactly half past seven, but there you go. But he's been stuck in a traffic jam. But praise the Lord, he is on his way. He will be with us hopefully in the next 10 minutes. He's told me that they're moving and he's not that far away. So thank you, Lord, for making this happen, making Samson free himself from the entanglement of that traffic jam due to roadworks at the Dartford Bridge. Now, we've just read through chapter two, which is what we will be studying tonight. And I read through from the New American Standard Version of the Scriptures. Now, it's a story we're all familiar with, and it's something which in many ways is a Sunday school classic, and people obviously still relate this back to the Christian narrative as well. But that's one of the things we'll be looking at tonight in relation to expanding on this scripture and finding out the real significant message that the Lord was trying to tell us there, but also its relevance today. We'll be discussing that a little later with Samson. We just want to remind you of some events that are happening over the next few days. And one thing I found out today, which I'm really, really excited about, it's Helen Shapiro and her band, Simon Elman and Chrissy Rogers. The band's called Hebion. They're playing this Saturday, the 30th, at half past seven at Court Farm Evangelical Church in Mottingham, just of the M20 A20 in London. They are good. If you'd like to hear worship music in Hebraic Messianic style, these guys are absolutely fantastic. And of course, we all know Helen anyway. Her, her pedigree goes back a long, long time, even in the secular world with walking back to happiness, etc. But they're a really, really good band. It's a good night of a distinctly Jewish flavour with ministry and word and song. And Pastor John Hayward, who's put all this together, welcomes everyone. So if you are able to come along, please do so. If you want the full details of the address, it is... Court Farm Evangelical Church, Court Farm Road in Mottingham, London, SE9 4JS. It's just a free will offering on the night, so there's no door entry fee or anything. And if you want more details, have a look at their website. That is the uh, website for Court Farm Evangelical Church. Or give John a call on 07934563. 073. That's 07934 And I'll put that on the website and Facebook a little later on. And just a little besides, John Hayward, the pastor of Court Farm, will be joining us here on Genesis Christian Radio over the upcoming weeks, presenting a series of programmes and also we'll be sending out his Sunday sermon on Sunday. So that's something to look forward to. And if you haven't heard John speak, he really is a powerful an anointed man of God who brings a very clear and relevant message for today for the church and in the world we live in. I really recommend John's ministry to you, as you do Samson, who is definitely on his way. I've just mentioned it. He'll be here very, very soon. So don't be getting anxious and turning off and saying, oh, I'm not listening any longer. I can't hang on any longer. I just want to remind you of some of the phone numbers and the contact details which you will need if you need to get in contact with us tonight, if you want to ask any questions in relation to what Samson is saying, either to say thank you, brother, that's a really good message, or to challenge some of the things, because we are here to debate these issues with you in many ways. As long as it's scriptural, as long as you've got a, an, an argument or a point of view which is based on scripture, we want to hear it. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 118 we should reason together, and that's an absolute Christian principle. We should never, ever, ever 
in the gate or, or look over. So we need to make sure that whenever we do listen to pastors or people speaking, 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 that we have our Bibles with us and we can check what's being said, particularly in these days when the church really has gone so far astray. And there's so many mixed messages with the various versions of the Bible. Even to the extent I can tell you, you know, people are actually cutting and pasting scripture from scripture just to suit their own message. And it really is dangerous out there. So we do need to check these things. We do need to be like the Bereans, as it is in Acts, and check that the scripture says it is so. It is that dangerous. Yes, trust your pastor, respect your pastor, love your pastor. But make sure that everything they're saying is in accordance with scripture. Because that's what we're meant to do, but called to do. And it's not because we're checking up on people. We need to make sure what we're being told is the absolute word of God. And that's really what Genesis is all about, really. It's putting back the word of God back into the hearts, the minds, and the mouths of Christian brothers and sisters. Because the teaching really has fallen by the wayside over many of the years. It really has become lackluster and very, very liberal. And we, know, we can all, I'm sure, cite examples and situations where someone said this or didn't say say that. And did you know that they're doing this now? And we all know these things. And as much as they're worrying and they're distasteful and they do upset us, and even to the point of anger, we need to realise these things are all proclaimed in the gospel. That apostasy, that falling away, has been foretold by our Lord. And that is the great sign as regards knowing that we're moving into that end time phase. We're in that final chapter. That along with the return of the nation of Israel back to Israel and claiming Jerusalem as their capital. Two big milestones, two enormous signs flashing in spiritual neon to let us recognise that Jesus Christ is returning and he's returning soon. And regardless of which aspects of his return you think is most correct whether it's pre-trib, millennial, or whatever. I'm not going to get into that debate tonight and it's not something we will fall out over but it's to recognise that Jesus Christ is returning and he is returning soon. You really need to be looking the other way with heavy dark glasses on and close your eyes not to recognise this. There are so many signs, I've just given you the two main ones, but so many other things in the world today where you really either don't want to recognise the truth or the truth simply has evaded you. So we need to look at that scripture. That's one of the things we'll be unpacking tonight when Samson arrives to continue this series through the the, uh, the book of Matthew. We started it last week in chapter one and obviously we're into chapter two tonight. Now, one of the things that we want you to do is to phone in, to email and to text us. So the numbers you need for us are this. If you want to phone us in on the mobile, it's 07941, 07941, 557 641. That's 07941 557641. And the text number is 0748903388. Text number again 0748903388. And both those numbers along with the email address are on the website and on the Facebook page. And the email address is very simple. It's just studio at genesischristianradio.com that's genesischristianradio all one word studio at genesischristianradio will take your text take your emails and take your calls in relation to what samson is teaching tonight or if there happens to be anything else which you really are having difficulty with and samson can give you wise counsel in relation to what the bible stroke what the lord says in relation to an issue please do call in 
don't be suffering in silence. Don't be thinking, oh, I'll wait until they ever speak about the subject. If it's important to you and it is something which is something you haven't been able to get a resolution, then please do call us. We're here to, to provide ministry and also prayerful response to your problems and ensuring that the Lord is aware and dealing with the situation, whatever that situation may be. So those numbers again on the mobile 07941 Write that down or text 07948 903 and of course email studio at genesischristianradio.com let's take another piece of music and we'll be right back after that and hopefully samson will be here
I'm good, Phil. Good to see you. Come on, Phil. Pleasure, love. Have a seat. Listen, pastor's going to sit here, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, four hours in this. Oh, dear. Some people got less time in jail. <laughs> I could have driven to North Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, most people, as I dread going across that bridge, I always prefer to go on by Heathrow that way. In fact, you know. Even if it's got... longer, it's always, it always works out quicker. But the traffic always moves that way, you see. When we got on the bridge, there was this lorry with an arrow pointing this way. 30 cones, two lanes cut off. What's happening? Nothing. I think all that because of that lorry. Two lanes cut off. Nothing happening. So it's just a health and safety thing. I crazy. Don't know, I don't know what they did. Crazy is crazy. Or why they did it. If they just moved the lorry aside, they would have opened all the four lanes up. Yeah. And it would have moved it. No, I must be honest. I, I haven't gone across the bridge since they introduced the sun. Payment system, you've got to pay in advance. You to be your pay, you're told you're told you've been across. Yeah. Now you've got to get these card things where you can pay on, online in advance. We've got a guy in our church just to work there, but they've all lost their jobs. There was a big employment thing, obviously, all the people right. escorting vehicles across yes. heavy loads, yes. whatever, and all people in the tow bus. No, there's virtually nothing. Yeah. So when you do have problems, there's nobody to resolve it. Yeah. You know, and it's always in the dispute. How far are you over? Are you in the Kent side or Essex side? Oh, well, you better call Essex, please, sir. <laughs> But anyway, it's so good to just read it. So yeah, please do. There's one just on the down floor, the other side of the, the stairs. Right. Yeah, Philip was just explaining your nightmare journey. Yes, 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 yes. But that's just everything else, just cone city now, yes, isn't it? You know, yes, I know. Nothing safe to gone crazy. I know, I know. What I've decided to do is to... Um, is to... Um, right. It's about to finish. It's worth a second. I'll take another record and let you settle in. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So what did you do eventually? How did you huh? How did you manage it? We're okay. We just played a few songs and just okay. told people we were running late. And okay. We had a bit of a chat about some of the things we were ministering and other bits and bobs. So we're fine. We're okay. Count your blessings. Count them one by one. If you're like me and you love that old-time traditional gospel, then you will love that old-time traditional gospel word, the word, the good news from our Lord Jesus Christ. When you hear sound Bible exposition, that's coming your way in about five minutes' time with Pastor Sampson, who I can say, hooray! He's actually arrived with Philip as well tonight, so that's really good. They'll be joining us in about three or four minutes' time. Just a lot of time to set up on a quick drink. So I've had four-hour journey to get here around that yeah, big yeah. car park we call the M25, that four-lane car park where nothing actually moves. Anyway, we'll take a song and then we'll come back with Sampson with synopsis here on Genesis Christian Radio. Diabolical. But what I've decided to do is that we will actually leave in the afternoon, stay around, have a you know, maybe cafe, do some work. No, just come here earlier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But as I said to Philip, even though theoretically the uh, journey around the Heathrow side 
Yes. It's longer. It well, doesn't stop. Yes. It always moves. And because you've got so many lanes coming on the way as well, they can actually take the capacity. Yes. So they slow it down to 50 miles an hour, okay. but you actually get here a lot quicker. All right. Yeah. You should burn them on the next time. All right. Have you got some sockets at all? Just there should be a spare one down there. If not, there's a one behind you there, Philip. Yeah, yeah. I see them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're overloaded because I've got all sorts of gadgets and stuff on them. They're all the sockets and plugs and all sorts of things. I'm getting so many emails now from Sally. <laughs> she keeps really good. She keeps me informed. What it does is saves me having to troll through things to find out things because she does it all for yes. me. Bless her. Good. I spent. I was at a funeral this morning in okay. church, and then I spent the rest of the afternoon with John Hayward, who's going to come on do some programs on the radio as well. But Sally sends him stuff as well. He said okay. the same thing. <laughs> You got it? Yep. Let's go for it. Yeah. Things fill up and we start talking about something's got this on because obviously you won't hear anything when we're speaking. Okay. No, thank you. Maybe no, he does. Thank you. Okay. Deserve a round of applause. Well, I do hope that's your testimony tonight that you have decided to follow Jesus and that's why you want to find out more about him. That's one of the things that I've got a real issue with in the church today and there's many, many issues we could draw a long list. But one of the things that does get me sometimes is that we have so many people who say, yeah, I love Jesus and we know nothing about him because we've stopped teaching the oracles of God. We've stopped teaching about God's character and all the attributes of God. So how can we say we love somebody and we don't really know much about them? That little worrying noise in the background is two very fatigued gentlemen who've arrived all the way around the M25, Philip and Pastor Samson. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the studio. Pastor Samson's having a quick cup of tea. Well, deserved a four-hour journey to get here tonight, but he's focused on getting the Lord's Word out, so he's here. Good evening, Samson. Good evening. How are you doing? We're really, really good. It's good to see you guys here tonight. Thank you very much and indeed. It's really, 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 really special you've managed to get here on time. We were going to do everything by phone, but... We prayed, and yes. the Lord said, no, we're going to find a way. So that's fantastic. And Amen. He, did. he just opened that way, which he always does. He, he did, you know? he did indeed. And it's always his timing. So yes. this is the right time. It's really, really good as well. Yes. We've been looking over this last two weeks, Samson, on Matthew. 
and we started last week on Matthew chapter 1 and we went through that and we're going to do the same thing with chapter 2 tonight. so I've read the, the, the book out already I've read the chapter yes. right, so obviously people are familiar with it mostly anyway Yes. so all we want to do really is for you to go through it and yes. then after you've done your, your teaching on it we're going to invite people yes. to phone in to email and to text with any questions queries anything they want to expand on what you've said to get a bit more detail or even possibly challenge something you said if they've got a different point of view which I don't yes. think we will but you, you never know never. and that's again that's what we need to do Isaiah one minute tells us that we should reason together and we need to work these things out in the way the Lord wants us to make sure we've got a solid foundation and that's the whole concept of what the Bereans did in, in Acts they actually checked what the Bible said and to make sure it was so and that's the important thing tonight so Everything we do here in Genesis, it's about hearing God's word. There's no frills, no flavor. It's the simple, unadulterated, black and white word, which the Lord wants us to understand. So there's no compromise and there's nothing added and there's nothing taken away. So are you ready to go or do you want another five minutes? No, no, I'm ready to go. All right, just pull that microphone over a little bit nearer towards you there. Okay. That's fantastic. And it's all yours, brother. All right. That's good. I hope the listeners are... Are there? That's good. Um, let's just have a word of prayer first. Fantastic. Of all. Yeah, that. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you that you have enabled uh, this day to be, in spite of all the distractions and all the attacks and all the delays of the enemy. But we thank you, Lord, that you are eternally ahead of him. And you have given us this privilege that we can delve into your word once again and be blessed at the feet of Jesus as we dine at his table. Father, we pray that you breathe the breath of life upon these words. Uh, the letter killet is the Spirit of God that giveth life to the Word. So may we hear, may we speak, may we engage in the life of God's Word this day in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, right ahead, we're going to Matthew chapter 2. And as we said last time, Matthew's concern and Matthew's objective for writing this gospel is to reach out to his fellow Jews, to prove to them that Jesus Christ is the promised king that they had been reading about in the prophets, in the Old Testament. Uh, he's the one whom they had been anticipating for, looking out for, expecting that actually Jesus Christ from all indication, looking at his life, looking at the, his background, tying up the scriptures and the prophecies with the things that happened in the life of Jesus Christ right from his birth, all points to one fact, that Jesus Christ actually is the promised Messiah. Now, that's a very tough uh, assignment that Matthew has, because as we know, the Jews didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the Savior. And that's why many a times over and over again, we find Matthew having this trademark where he talks about this happened that it might be fulfilled. This happened that it might be fulfilled. And he does that almost 60 times in the book of Matthew. So as to tell his Jewish brethren that this isn't a fable. We can check. We can actually do, you know, as my brother Emo said, we can actually go back check up what I've said, and you would see that the life of Christ, the background of Jesus Christ, the happenings in his life, all testify that he actually is the Messiah. And that's why in chapter 1, it starts by saying that from the, the lineage of Jesus Christ can be traced to King David, 
Everyone knew who was expecting the Messiah that Jesus Christ would come from the lineage of King David. So he does that very quickly. He doesn't want to lose the attention. And also he links him back also to Abraham. So Abraham tells us that Jesus Christ has ownership to the land. That's why he traces Jesus Christ back to Abraham. And by tracing him also to King David, he's emphasizing that and underscoring that Jesus Christ has rights to the throne. So we have done a little bit of, um, we have done chapter one last time. We've seen the background and we looked at the birth of Jesus Christ. Now we're going through chapter two. This is so, so loaded. And I, I think, um, I hope that those who are listening right now have taken cue from what we said last time. It's so important that you have writing materials, you have a notebook, you have a pen, because what we want to do here at Genesis Christian Radio is to take a methodical, expository, step-by-step study of the Word of God. This is one thing that is lacking and, um, you know, is failing in many gatherings today. Many want quick things, instant things, uh, but it doesn't happen that way when it comes to the things of God. We need to take it step by step, and it's therefore very important. You need some something to write with, to jot some notes, to take some points, even some things that you might want to take to the Lord in prayer, or you want to follow on, you know, in your own personal study, or for your own references. So it's so very important. This is a different program entirely. It's not just to preach, but it's for us to dine together at the table of Jesus Christ together and allow the Lord himself to break the bread of life onto us, irrespective of our denomination or our church background. So um, I've given you that time to get something to write now as we start with Je- um, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now, what I want to do tonight is to take it verse by verse. And as we look at verse one of chapter two, where it says Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. And behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. In that verse, we have three characters that stand out. Number one, we have Jesus Christ. Number two, we have Herod. And three, we have the wise men. Jesus Christ. And as we look at the character of Christ, immediately we see the humility Here we have God coming from the height of his throne. We have God coming from his glory, coming from his majesty, stepping into time out of eternity. And where does Christ choose? Where does God choose to be born? He chooses to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. This is about six miles away from Jerusalem. He could have been born in the capital. He could have been born in Jerusalem which was the metropolis as at that time. But he decides to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. This is extremely important because this is one of the reasons why his Jewish brethren didn't believe that he could be the Messiah. The humility, the way Christ condescended, he chose to be a servant. He chose to come at first to serve his people. And because the mindset of the of the average Jew 
was that the coming king, the coming Messiah, will be a militant Messiah, will be someone that you can easily recognize. But that isn't the way the Lord works. Our God is a God of humility. He identifies with his people and he decides that he'll be born in Bethlehem of Judea, a place of obscurity, a place where none of the people would have thought that the king will be born. Isn't it so very important that we can't walk with God if we're not humble? Humility is so important. God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. If the Lord is going to use us, if the Lord is going to magnify his name in our life, in our ministry, if the Lord is going to do anything outstanding through any individual, that person has to be a person of humility. If we're not following in the steps of Christ, then there's no way that the Lord God Almighty will be able to use us in the way that we desire to be used of. So we see Christ here being born in a place of obscurity. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that he, even though he was God, he made himself of no reputation and he came in the form of man and he died. He died the death of the cross. And you see that running through all through the history of Christ's first coming. So as we look at this first character in verse 1 and we see Jesus Christ, we see the humility. But also we see a man called Herod and he's called Herod the Great. Herod the Great. He was actually made king by the Romans. He's an Edomite. And we're going to come back to this later on in this chapter. But mark this, brethren, as you're listening. This chapter is so, so spiritual. You can see the cosmic battle that is already going on before Christ ever preaches before Christ ever takes the, 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 the role of the preacher, before Christ ever does any ministration, already there's a cosmic battle going on. Because you will re remember that the Edomites come from the lineage of Esau. And Esau and Jacob, unfortunately, were spiritual enemies. And you see that all through in the Old Testament, and it comes into the New Testament also. So it's not surprising that a man called Herod, who is an Edomite, is actually the one who decides to do this genocide and try to kill the Messiah even before the ministry starts. There's something highly spiritual that goes on in this chapter. But we'll come back to Herod later on. And then the third character that we see are the wise men. Now you think about this. This is very ironical. Jerusalem is meant to be the place where you have the high priest and the council and the people who are spiritual and the people who are meant to be the custodians of God's word. And yet it took Gentiles coming from the east to announce the Savior's birth in Jerusalem. You think about that. It's an irony. And these wise men journeyed all the way and came to Jerusalem to truly seek the Lord. And one thing we get from this verse is that those who truly seek the Lord will eventually find him. Will eventually find him. They are coming from far away. They didn't know where they were actually going. They were not very sure where Christ was born. But when God sees the sincerity in the heart of people, 
Sincerity in the heart of the wise who truly want to seek the Lord, not seek church, not seek denomination. They want to seek Christ. They want to seek the Messiah. They want to seek the one who is Lord. They will eventually find him. But it's an irony, however, that they come into Jerusalem and they're asking, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And those who are actually in Jerusalem are caught unawares. One thing I must say, however, is that the star itself didn't bring them to Jerusalem. They saw the star in the east. But because of human mindset, they had assumed that if he's going to be king, and this is the king of the Jews, where are we meant to find the king of the Jews? We're meant to find him in the metropolis. We're meant to find him in Jerusalem. So they had no idea that the one who is called king actually would be in Bethlehem, Judea. In verse 2, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Brethren, we come across the first question. The first question in the book of Matthew. The question that determines eternity, the question that determines where you and I will be on the final day is not about the church I go to or the ministry I belong to or the denomination I go to. They ask this question. It says, where is he that is born king of the Jews? What you and I do with Christ what you and I do about Jesus Christ will determine our eternity. And as they, as they came into Jerusalem, they were asking that question. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, what Matthew does here, he quickly emphasizes again and underscores what his mission is by referring to Jesus Christ as king of the Jews. And then this wise man said, the only reason why we're seeking him isn't for curiosity, but rather we want to worship him. That in itself tells us about the deity of Jesus Christ, that he is God. We want to see him. We are seeking him. The one who is born king of the Jews, not just to pay homage to him, but they knew that this actually, this one is God. So they said, where is he that we may come to worship him? Many people, including the liberals, have tried to, you know, castigate that, you know, and stand against the truth that Christ is, isn't God. They say, well, it, it cannot be God. Uh, and it's over the years that the disciples, did, you know, decided to give him that leverage and make Christ God. But that isn't true. Even the wise men who had received revelation from God knew about the deity of Jesus Christ. And he said, the main reason why we're seeking him is because we want to worship him. If you're listening right now, brethren, if you have been, you know, um, misled in terms of Jesus Christ and saying, well, he isn't God. He, you know, you don't believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then that is error. And that is very dangerous. Because our eternity is linked to the deity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we open the scriptures together, we can see in verse 2 that these wise men, uh, and I need to tell you this, were not told they were three. 
You know, tradition says three wise men, but we're not told how many they were. But people assume because three gifts were given, gold, uh, frankincense, and mar, and uh, therefore they were three. But we're not told. That's just tradition. But the point is this. These wise men were seeking Christ, seeking the Lord in order to worship him. Verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. This is interesting. We are not too surprised that Herod was troubled. Number one, he's an unbeliever. He's worldly. He's carnal. He's of this earth. He's of this world. And therefore, he, he saw anything to do with kingship as a competition against him. And therefore, he was troubled. But what really should trouble us as readers of scripture is that we're told, and all Jerusalem was troubled with him. Hold on a minute. Jerusalem, they ought to receive the Lord. They ought to have been happy. They ought to have been rejoicing. They ought to have said, well, this is the one we've been expecting. They ought to have said, well, this is the one we have been reading about in the Old Testament and the prophets. They ought to have been rejoicing. They should have been expectant. When they were told uh, by the wise men, where is he that was born king of the Jews? But not only was Herod troubled, we're told that the people in Jerusalem were troubled. Now, this is so important. The question is this. Which Jerusalem was at that time in the days of Jesus Christ? Which Jerusalem are we talking about right now? We're talking about a Jerusalem that had a history of persecuting the prophets and the people of God. We're talking about a Jerusalem in the days of Christ that had backslidden. We're talking about a Jerusalem in the days of Jesus Christ that had gone far away from God, far away from his precepts, far away from his ordinances. In fact, we're talking about a Jerusalem that had become diabolical. Look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. See what Christ says himself about the Jerusalem in his days. 23, 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets. No wonder they were troubled. No wonder they didn't rejoice. No wonder they didn't say, well, wait, see, let's go and worship him together. No wonder they were troubled. Christ says the Jerusalem that he met wasn't the Jerusalem that was expecting him and wanted to receive him, that was holy, that was righteous, that was godly, that was following the Lord in humility. No, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings? Listen to this. And ye would not. Aha. We begin to understand why Jerusalem was as troubled as Herod was. In Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 14. Jeremiah chapter 4. And... In verse 14, O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness, that thou mayest be saved. How long 
shall thy vain thoughts lodge with thee. All through the ministry of Christ Jesus, the main people that antagonized the ministry of Jesus Christ, that fought against Jesus Christ, that were obstinate against his teaching, that were obstinate against his truth, that stood as a hindrance against the ministry of Christ, were actually the people from Jerusalem. In Mark chapter 3, verse 22. Mark chapter 3, verse 22. And the scribes, listen to this, which came down from Jerusalem. What did they say? Did they say, oh, we hail you, Jesus. We accept you as Lord and as King and as God. Did they say, well, we love you, Lord. We thank you. You're the Messiah. No. And the scribes, which came down from Jerusalem, said he had Beelzebub. You see that? And by the prince of the devils, casted he out devils. In Jeremiah, once again, 23 verse 14, I just want to underscore the kind of Jerusalem that Christ had encounter with and for which reason they were actually troubled instead of being, you know, happy and rejoicing that the Savior had been born. They were rather troubled. Jeremiah chapter 23 and in verse 14. If I'm too fast for you, don't worry, just write down the references and you can read later on. I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem an horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Now that is interesting. You know why? Because God later on says in the book of Revelation that the place where Christ was crucified, I ask you this question, listeners, where was Christ crucified? You got it. Correct. Jerusalem. But the Father, God says, the Spirit of God says that where Christ was crucified is actually likened to Egypt and Sodom. Revelation chapter 11 verse 8. In Revelation chapter 11 and in verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom. Did you see that? And Egypt, listen to this, where also our Lord was crucified. Now we understand why they were troubled just as Herod was troubled. Why they were troubled just as that man who was an heathen was troubled. Because the Jerusalem that Christ met was a Jerusalem that was diabolical. A Jerusalem where the people and their leaders, religious leaders, had gone far away from the Lord. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 2 verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests... And scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. This is interesting. I think this is the height of hypocrisy. Herod didn't believe in the Lord. Herod wasn't a righteous man. Herod wasn't a man that followed God. But when he needed to know 
where the Messiah will be born, he knew what to do. You think about that. He called the scribes. He called the people together. He didn't submit to the word of God. But when he now came to certifying and authenticating where the Messiah will be born, he knew what to do. He called the scribes. And the scribes themselves were hypocritical because they knew what scriptures to look at. They knew what scriptures to read. And they made reference to Micah chapter 5 verse 2. And the question is, you scribes, why didn't you continue to believe the word of God? Why didn't you act on the word of God? Why didn't you follow the wise men to where they, um, to, to Bethlehem, Judah to find out? And even after Christ had become a grown person, an adult, and he was claiming to be the Messiah, which he is and was, why didn't they go back to the scriptures and find out where was this Jesus of Nazareth born? How was he born? What are the evidences in scripture that can we can link to his life to show that actually he is the Messiah? They decided, they were prejudiced, they decided not to touch it at all. So here we have them in verse 4, checking the scriptures looking for where Christ will be born, and yet they didn't believe the word of God that they were reading when Christ declared himself as the Messiah. In John chapter 7, verse 42, John chapter 7, and in verse 42, John 7, 42. See the words of Christ, I mean the, the words of the, um, the Jews. Had not the scripture said that Christ comet of the seed of David so they knew they knew what to check for they could have checked the lineage of Jesus Christ and found that he truly through Joseph he is from the throne of David had not the scripture said that Christ comet of the seed of David and out of the town of listen to this Bethlehem now this is after Christ had started his earthly ministry he's an adult now and they can see his life. They listen to the claims of Jesus Christ. They saw the works of Christ that no other person could do. The miracles, the signs and the wonders. And all they could have simply have done was to do what they did in chapter 2 verse 4. Go back to the scriptures. Since you know where Christ was, is meant to be born, go back to the scriptures. And see that actually Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. But they were hypocritical. I know it's, it's the same thing today. People will hold on to the word when they want it. For a, you know, a selfish reason. But when it now comes to submitting sincerely to the entirety of the word of God, they refuse to do so. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2 again, verses 5 and 6 this time. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. This is amazing. This is a prophecy that was made by Micah about 700 years before the Messiah was born. Heaven and earth will pass away. The stars may fall. The moon may not give its light. The sun may forbid to shine, but the word of God will come to pass to the very letter. 700 years ago, a man called Micah, moved by the spirit of the living God, declared where the Messiah 
will be born. And this is a tiny village near Jerusalem. Who would have ever thought that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one of all authority, the Messiah, the one who is, the one who is to come, the one who has been, the Alpha and the Omega, who would have thought that he would have been born in a tiny village? Maybe at the time when Micah gave the prophecy, nobody would have thought about it. How is that possible? But the word of God will not fail. Listeners, maybe you're here this night or when, whatever time you're listening to this um, aircast at the moment. And there's something you're believing the Lord for. I want to assure you that the word of God will not fail for your life. If you believe the word of God, if you link your destiny to the word of God, if you link your hope to the word of God, if you look at the word of God that it can't fail, if you bring God's word into your situation, the word of God would not fail you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 7 and 8. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, this man was a very cunning politician. You know what he did? He called the scribes separately. He didn't tell the scribes that wise men had come from the east. So he called them separately. He con you know, conversed with them separately. He asked the question and did some investigation separately. And then he put the other wise men aside. So he now says, Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Herod knew what he was doing. He wanted to know around how old would this child be by now? Because what he had in mind was to kill the child. So he wanted to know around, you know, around what time was this child by the time when, when he saw the star. So he's all trying to get his facts and figures together so as to destroy the child. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently. Listen to this. Listen to this. Diligently for the young child, not the baby. You see that? Why did he say young child? Because the wise men from the east would have told Herod around what time they saw the star. Remember, the star didn't lead them into Jerusalem. That's why they made a mistake in the first place. They saw the star in the east. And they assumed that, all right, we saw the star in the east. We assumed that since he's born king of the Jews, he must be born in Jerusalem. So that was their own assumption. So when Herod now was asking the wise men, around what time? Herod had an understanding that this child had been born almost two years ago because they saw the star about two years before. That's why he says, Herod now says, go and search diligently for the young child. Maybe you're asking right now, how about all the tradition we have seen and we see a child in the manger and the wise men are coming to see a baby. All that is tradition. It's not scripture. It's not Bible. It's what they're fused upon us. It's what the church has fused upon us. It's what the world has fused upon us. That isn't scripture at all. When the wise men came seeking for Jesus Christ, he was no longer a baby. The wise men didn't meet the baby in the manger. And we're going to see very soon that they actually met him in the house. And that's why over and over again, you see the word young child. He said, Our God is so great. He's eternally ahead of the world. God knowing fully well that a time will come when the church would 
misdirect their emphasis instead of emphasizing on the death of Jesus Christ we're going to get to a time when the church will lose their focus and they're going to em emphasize on the birth of Jesus Christ and many a times what the devil does is to do the exact opposite Christ said do this in my remembrance do what take the communion in my remembrance remember my death but God knowing fully well that the world will backslide and the church will want to go the way of the world, that they will want to celebrate the birth and they will want to say he's a baby when the wise men came. Guess what God does in this chapter? No less than seven times God uses the word young child, young child, young child. He never uses the word baby. If you look at verse, 11, uh, verse 9 very quickly, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child. Do you see that? Verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child. In fact, he says it twice in verse 13. And his mother, and flee on into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child child not baby if you look at verse uh, 14 when he arose he took the young child verse 20 it says saying arise and take the young child and then verse 21 and he arose and took the young child seven times in that chapter god is telling us something tradition will mislead tradition will take us to error the wise men, when they came seeking for Christ, Christ was no longer a baby. He was at least two years old. Verses 9 and 10. Let's move on very quickly. When they had heard the king, when they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star, praise God. Listen to this, which they saw in the east. So once again, you know, this uh, mindset that the star actually brought them into Jerusalem is not right. It says here, when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east appeared again, went before them till it came and stood over. It's only then it stood over where the young child was. And once again, uh, you know, if, they ha if the star was leading the wise men from the east, that star wouldn't have brought them to Jerusalem in the first place. They wouldn't be asking the question in the first place. And that's why they started by saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star where in the east. But the point we actually bring out in verse 9 here is this. We can only know God by revelation. These wise men went to Herod. They couldn't really get the answer went to the scribes, they couldn't really get the answer. They gave them a general answer, who will be born in Bethlehem, Judah. But of course, you know, you're going to have so many babies in Bethlehem, Judah. You're going to have so many parents in Bethlehem, Judah. Where are they going to start from? But as they came out from man, as they came out from the ways of man, as they came out from the help of the flesh, guess what? The Lord reveals to them again. We can only know God through revelation. That's why when Peter in response to Christ's question, said, Thou art the Son of the living God. You know what Christ said? He said, Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. 
At some other place also Christ said, Nobody knows the Father except the Son, and nobody knows the Son except the Father. So once again we see that if the Lord doesn't reveal himself, we cannot know who he is. That's why Paul the Apostle says in the book of Galatians that God revealed his Son in him. So this is revelation. Man cannot give us the truth. You know, sometimes we go to church and some people, well, why are you going to church? I want to hear from a minister. I want to hear from a pastor. I want to hear from a great man of God. This man has a great teaching on Israel, a great teaching on eschatology, a great teaching on prophecy or a great teaching on doctrine. But guess what? No matter how great that person might seemingly be, if God doesn't reveal his truth, we still wouldn't get it, even if that teacher is teaching the right thing. We're told, that's why the Bible says in John chapter 17, very quickly, you'll be amazed. If you ask people, what is eternal life? Ask 10 people, you may get 10 different answers. See what Christ calls eternal life. You'll be amazed at this. And this, verse 3, 17, verse 3 of John. John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, that word know is not just the mental knowledge. It's revelation. And that's eternal life. That one might know him. That is what eternal life is. So you could have people who respond to an altar call with mental uh, assent, mental understanding, with human knowledge. And yet, guess what? don't truly have eternal life. Because when you know Christ on the basis of revelation, guess what? There will be a revolution in your life. The reason why there isn't revolution in the lives of many people in the church is because there's no revelation. Revelation would lead to revolution. Right, let's quickly go on. So they saw the star in the east. Back to verse 11 now of Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. And when they came into the house, not manger, house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down, listen to this, and worshipped him. He was still a young child, but they knew he was God. He was a young child who hadn't even demanded for worship yet, but see what Revelation does. Even though he's a child, even though the Jewish brethren couldn't understand. But when revelation hits you and brings about a revolution, you will see a difference. You will see it in the mannerism. You will see it in the decisions of one's life. And as these people saw the child, maybe between two, three years old, what happened? They knelt down and they worshipped him. And when they had um, opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense, and uh, Mar. Can I just mention here very quickly, verse 11. God in his wisdom and through divine inspiration deliberately does not mention Joseph. Doesn't mention Joseph. It's so important for Matthew to quickly record here the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God deliberately doesn't mention Joseph in this verse. Because God wants the people to know that Christ was born of a virgin. And that Joseph was just the adopted father. 
but not the biological father. Jesus Christ had no biological father. He was born and conceived of the Holy Spirit, reason why he's called the Son of God. Now, the gifts that they brought to Jesus Christ is very important, has meaning. The gold represents his kingship. The frankincense, of course, represents his priesthood, his priestly ministry, <clears throat> and the myrrh represents his death. Many times when, when you have myrrh, you, you have to squeeze and squash you know, it to get what you want out of it. So those gifts actually were representing in some form, some prophetic form, the ministry and life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 12, And being warned of God in a dream, that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Praise God. God is so, so amazing. Always, eternally ahead of the devil. It's like when we're coming down today, we, we had a what I call a diabolical traffic. Four hours. I just couldn't believe it. Four good hours. And then it got to a point where it was just, we stopped. Chocker block. No car was moving. People had switched off their engine. And I was thinking, wow, if this really continues this way, who knows what time we'll be here. Maybe 12 midnight. I'm sure you need to go to work tomorrow, many of you. So you won't be hanging on. But prayer was made that, Lord, as you parted the Red Sea, part this traffic, Lord. Have mercy. Do you know what God did? I'll share a testimony. At the roundabout where the commotion was, the Lord actually stopped the vehicles just at the entrance where we're meant to come out so that the cars couldn't come in, the lorries couldn't come any longer, and we could have a free traffic, free sail through. God is with you, and God is with this station, and God is with this program. Can I have an amen? Amen. 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 We're having revival now. Yeah. But the point is this. God is eternally ahead of the devil. So God knew what, uh, what Herod was planning, and therefore he warned the wise men not to go back to him. Verse 13, 14. What does he say? And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. He doesn't say the father. Joseph, in a dream, saying, Arise, listen to this, take the young child and his mother. He doesn't say, take your son. You say, well, about Pastor Samson, does that really matter? It does. Because when God appeared unto Abraham, and he wanted Abraham to offer his son Isaac, he said, take thy only son, thy son, thy only son, Isaac, thy son, Isaac. But in this case now, talking to Joseph, the Lord says to the angel, take up the child, take the young child, not your son. Which one is easier to say, your son or young child? Obviously, it's your son. But because Joseph wasn't the biological father of Jesus Christ, the angel here says, take your child, take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. This once again brings up what I said before, that there's you know a cosmic battle already going on, light, you know, versus darkness. And because Herod, you know, was an Edomite, and spiritually speaking, the Edomites you know, from the lineage of Esau, were always against the Israelites. We're not surprised that Herod, right from the very beginning, 
tries to terminate the life of the child. But we're told in verse 15, it says, um, verse 14 first, And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, doesn't say his son, young child, and departed unto, into Egypt, and was there unto the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. That prophecy was made 800 years before it happened. And what is Matthew trying to do? Telling, he's trying to tell his Jewish brethren, this is not fable. Check up the life. See the indices. See the things that happened in the life of Christ. And you can see that you can marry them one after the other with the prophecies concerning the Messiah. So 800 years, it was prophesied by the prophet that the Messiah will be called out of Egypt. Emphasizing once again, that was prophet Hosea, emphasizing once again the authority, the you know infallibility of the word of God. Verse 16. Now we see Herod's true color. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wrath and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from, listen to this, two years old and under. Do you see that? Why two years? He calculated the time that the wise men from the east had given him. So he didn't go for those who are one year old or six months old. He says from two years old and under, according to the time. Oh, do you see that? Do you see that in your Bible? According to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Very quickly, I want to really make some more emphasis on this because this is really spiritual. I want us to understand uh, the battle going on here. Uh, what we see in, in, in the letters here, what we the, the narrative itself is more or less um, uh, just gives us a little bit of what's going on. But when we look at it deeply, you know, deeper, uh, we'll see that the battle that is going on between light and darkness. This isn't the first time that an Edomite will kill the Israelites with impunity. I'll give you two examples. One is First Samuel chapter 22. Maybe you know the story already. Uh, David was running for his life and he needed some help and he went to meet the priest uh, I think Ahimelech to give him something to eat for himself and his men uh, as well as um, the sword of Goliath that was given to him eventually somebody saw this meeting and told Saul and as a result had the priesthood about 80 of them the family Healed just like that. But let's look at it together and see where I'm, where I'm going to with this. In First Samuel chapter 22, First Samuel chapter 22, I read verses 9, 10, and then some other select verses. Then answered uh, verses 9 and 10. That's right. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob. To Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, and he inquired of the Lord for him, that's a lie, and gave him victuals, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. So once again, the background story here is this. David is running for his life. 
running away from Saul. David comes to the priest Ahimelech asking for food, asking for some help that he can have food to feed himself and the men with him. And also Ahimelech gives him the sword of Goliath. Meanwhile, Ahimelech doesn't know anything about David running away from Saul. So he did it sincerely. But there was an Edomite that saw what happened. And then Saul now begins to query the people who is on the side of David. Is any traitor here? They see what happens in verse 16. After Doeg, the Edomite, reveals what happened to David and how David inquired, uh, got some bread from the priest. See what happens next. Verse 16. And the king said, thou shalt surely die, referring to the priest Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, turn and slay the priests of the Lord. Can you imagine that, brethren? Slay the priests of the Lord. See how far Saul had gone. Because their hand also is with David. And because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me. Listen to this. Listen to this, brethren. Very important. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. But somebody was readily available. And guess who he was? An Edomite. And the king said to Doeg, Turn thou and fall upon the priest. And Doeg, the Edomite, turned and he fell upon the priests and slew on that day 85 persons that did wear a linen ephod. Can you imagine that? Just like that. And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword. And what did this Edomite do? Both men and women and children and sucklings does that ring a bell now with matthew chapter 2 the same spirit working in herod genocide killing the israelites with impunity it says an oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword i give you one more example in obadiah verse 1 obadiah is one chapter obadiah it's in the Old Testament. You have Obadiah before Amos. It's hedged in between Amos and Jonah. So you have Amos, you have Joel, Amos, Obadiah. Obadiah verse 1. The vision of Obadiah, thus said the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. So we can see that this vision is to the people of Edom. But what did they do? See what they did. Verse 9. And thy mighty men, O Temer, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. For they, thy, for thy violence against thy brother Jacob. Do you see that? The same spiritual battle in the Old Testament comes to play in Matthew chapter 2. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. What did they do? In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates, and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou... Listen to this, was one of them. 
but thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. And it goes on and on like that. The point is this, what Herod was doing in Matthew chapter 2 is just a reflection and a replay of the spiritual cosmic battle between light and darkness, between evil and good that we see represented between Jacob and Esau. Verses 17 and 18 of Matthew chapter 2, we're soon going to be through. It has 23 verses, I believe. Matthew chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and will not be comfort, comforted, comforted because they are not. Once again, another prophecy. This time it's uh, Jeremiah that prophesied about this 1,000 years before it actually happened. The word of God is true. The word of God will stand and nothing happens by chance. To a child of God. God knows it. God sees it. And God has already made plans regarding it. As we look at the last verses of chapter 2 of Matthew today. Before we have you know, your calls and your comments and your uh, contribution to the study. Let's read from verse 19. But when Herod was dead. Praise God. Praise God. Because evil will never outlast good. Evil will bow to the light. Conspiracy of wickedness, diabolical powers will have to bow to the great God. So this man eventually died. The one who was trying to kill the Messiah actually died before the Messiah. The one who did the genocide, the one who instigated that all the children from two years old and below, innocent children, should be killed. He actually died before the Messiah was crucified. But when Herod was dead, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Now, we need to look at Joseph's life. And this is the reason why I do not believe that it's possible to say we truly follow God and we are sincerely saved and yet we don't want to be disciples. Because there's a great responsibility laid upon us as disciples that we're living for Jesus Christ. The journey that um, Joseph had to make Initially, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, Judea, when they had to be taxed, was about 80 miles. Then from Bethlehem, Judah to Egypt was about 60 miles. And he had to move because of the plan of God. Not for work, not for his business, not for his own family, but for the plan of God. The plan of God said, get up now, take the child. And then all of a sudden now, while he's in Egypt, the Lord reveals himself again unto Joseph. He said, saying, verse 20, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Achilleus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, Instead of going to Bethlehem, Judah, 
He now turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And from Egypt to the parts of Galilee is about a hundred plus miles. Remember, no tube, no train, no airplane. You think about that. Discipleship. Doing the will of God. Living for the purpose of God. Living for the plan of God. It's a privilege to be associated with the Messiah. And whatever I need to do as the adopted father to keep this child, I will do it. So once again, the travel. You can imagine how much they had traveled over the few months because of the child, Jesus Christ. But he was a true disciple. And we should always remember that Joseph paid a great price. Though we don't see too much written about him, but he was truly a just, holy man of God. Let's end it with verses 22 and 23. And when he heard that Achilles did reign in Judea, in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream. Brethren, the one who wants you, loves you. I'm amazed at churches today. They see warning as negative. When you tell them to repent, they see it as negative. When you tell them not to live according to the flesh, they see it as negative. When you call them that you should come out of the world, as the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, Love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And when you give a warning like that, they say, Oh, that's not a nice pastor, that's not a nice minister. I'm going somewhere where it's nice and the atmosphere is good. Guess what? The Bible is a book of warnings. The one who loves you warns you. And God appeared unto Joseph again and warned him, don't go there. Why? For your own safety. Don't play with sin. Why? For your own safety. Repent. Why? For your own safety. Turn away from your backsliding. Why? For your own safety. That's the minister that loves you. And God warned him in a dream. And he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. Verse 23. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, Judah, of obscurity. Now we see him growing up in Nazareth. Nazareth was like a slum in those days. We take cue from our Lord Jesus Christ. Very humble to identify with mankind. If I ask one of the reasons why Jesus Christ wasn't even accepted, that's why Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth? Really? Nazareth? That's why the Jews said, no prophet can come from Nazareth. He can't be the Messiah. But he goes to dwell in Nazareth. That it might be fulfilled. Scripture again. Matthew pointing back to scripture. Which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Matthew chapter 2. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor excellent word we're going to take some music to give these guys a chance to uh, get a refreshment and we'll come straight back with the phone calls the emails and your texts and your comments here's all important numbers that you will need Yeah, you can go. Sorry. Hope I didn't rush it.
He's not rushed, was he? No, no, it was perfect. Perfect timing. Okay. Yes, I wouldn't mind hot water, please. Water. Yes, please. Hot water. Thank you. Where do they come from? Esau? Yes. Esau and Jacob. Esau and Jacob. That strive that always was right from the womb. Yeah. You see? When in the Old Testament, you know, he said, I the game. Israel and Edom. Israel and Edom. Israel and Edom. The Edomites, they were off. Um, it was a lot. It's from Lot, isn't it? I know, from um, um, Esau. Esau, sorry. Yes, Esau. Thank you. So who, who wrote Lot's descendants then? Ammonites and Ammonites. Yes. Mm. Is my soul. So everything was. Mm. Jesus was laughing. Mm. <laughs> Just dabbled. I know. I know. I mean, you know, when you, when you see the. Uh, when Herod was inquiring, they knew, they knew the scripture to go to. Um, and then you see Christ, and then you still and he knew. You know? He knew. You know? You know? Well, well, yes. What? Okay. Can I ask, do you, do you receive texts? Texts? On the screen there? Yeah, they come up here. They come up there? Texts and emails. And you can send a text back. Yes. Either. Yes. You can look at that. Mm-hmm. Because if people can text, yes. 
we can ask him to text. Mm. Do you have a separate number or something for that? Or yeah, basically what it is, it's like a, a USB stick. I can't take it out next to me, but I'll show you afterwards. It's like a USB <coughs> stick, but inside you put in your SIM card. Yeah. And it simply connects into your computer. Your computer recognises that as a digital device, but it's actually the phone number. So, so you can get put, a separate SIM card, yeah. stick it in. And it just recognises it. The, soft, the software, I'll give you the details of the software, which you don't know. You have to have a computer on all the time for it to receive. Because oh, um, you store it in the... It will st- it'll store it on the SIM card okay. itself anyway. So even if the computer switch on, it'll store it in the SIM card data anyway. Okay. It's a very good system. And there's obviously more advanced systems, but that's the simplest and most straightforward way to do it. Very good. Excellent stuff. Chris Rice there, and it is well with my soul. Good evening to you. Welcome along to Genesis Christian Radio on the World Wide Web and on TuneIn. And for those of you who were expecting us to start a little bit earlier tonight, you would have been expecting us to have finished about now or certainly rounding up. But we've had a bit of an issue tonight with traffic and everything else. And Samson was just mentioning the distance sometimes people have travelled in biblical times. Sometimes we can't even do as well as that today. You've been stuck in traffic for four hours, going absolutely nowhere, just counting cone. Another cone and another cone, but we don't actually get very far. So praise the Lord that we're here tonight and we're on air. So welcome along. If you have any questions, if you have any comments you'd like to make, we really do want to hear from you. That's the whole point of this program, so we can involve the scriptures, make them relative to you, expand them in a way that perhaps you haven't recognised before, open them up to you. And even though Samson spent probably about an hour discussing this, he probably could have gone on for probably another three. And that's not just, just because it's Samson, it's simply because the scriptures themselves are that deep. And sometimes on the surface of the scriptures, we don't really analyse them. And it's all part of our growing and our development, and it's all part of our understanding of God's word. And one of the things that intrigues me, Simon, Samson, was whenever we look at scriptures like this, particularly this whole nativity narrative, we base our understanding and our knowledge and our concept of what it is and the little baby Jesus and the nasty Herod because yes. that's the way we've been brought up in Sunday school and television yes. and that whole ensemble of teaching yes. and as much as that's cute and it's nice the reality is then you automatically dismiss the actual depth yes. and the significance yes. of the place and time that this happened yes. who it happened to and also in the future eschatological references which come out of which we'll probably expand on a little later on so we'll yes. have a look at that in a minute but just want to remind guys and girls okay. of, of the phone numbers if you want to give us a call it's 07941 that's 07941 the text number 07948 903388. That's 07948-903388. Of course, you can email as well at studio at Radio.com. That's studio at radio.com on there. Look forward to your calls and your texts if you're out there. We've looked at Matthew 2 and really is, as we've mentioned, a really big piece of scripture. It's only 23 verses, but it actually brings together Genesis brings in and ties in the whole of that New Testament from that whole aspect. And it's the link pin, it's the centre of all of the scriptures. And so much that, as you mentioned quite rightly, we tend to today look at the birth of Jesus and less on the death. But he was born to die. And that's the anointing, as you mentioned, with the whole idea of the gifts which the wise men, these guys came, these magi, they came and they anointed him for death. But they anointed him for royal prestige as well and we need to recognize that this is all part and parcel of what was going to happen from Micah as you've mentioned and from Jeremiah mm-hmm. but it's just to get around this whole idea that 
when we look at scriptures like this, this isn't a romantic, nice little story. No, he isn't. Herod was a monster. He, he was. was one evil man. Yes. But to me, and to many people, when you look at Herod, you're seeing an image of the potential Antichrist who's coming today. Yes. He's a foreshadowing of that type of character. Absolutely. He'll be all smiley, all nice, inviting people in. Yes. But he was also called from Roman appointment, King of the Jews. Yes. They anointed him as King of the Jews. Yes. And that's where the conflict starts. And Absolutely. even today, we have the same thing. Absolutely. Your Messiah, our Messiah. Yes. And there's so many people with this dual covenant theology yes. who would accept Jesus as being born in the way we've just described and talked about. Yes. But they'll say, oh, yeah, but he's not the Jewish Messiah. He's the Christian's Messiah. Mm. Uh, we have our, our thing for, for Abraham. Yes. We, we have obedience to Abraham. Yes. And we lose the reality that he was born king of the Jews because yes. they're God's chosen nation. Absolutely. We're grafted in. So everything that happened here yes. is relevant to us. It is. It is indeed. Absolutely. It is indeed. And, um, you know, one of the things that it's so important for people to know is that what we call Christianity today actually started as a Jewish movement. Absolutely, yeah. You see, the way. That's, that's the irony. You see, it started as a Jewish movement in the upper room. And the Holy Ghost came upon them. In fact, God actually had to, you know, kind of nudge Peter to go and preach the word to the Gentiles. Before the Gentiles eventually understood, when Peter went to Cornelius, and, um, you know, he now and Peter began to understand the wider program of the Lord, of God, that the Gentiles will be grafted in to the tree, the, the, the vine. So the point is that, Actually, what we call Christianity started as a Jewish movement. There were Jews, Peter, James, John, and the early disciples. And as were moved by the Lord, God, they now reached out to the Gentile nation. And the Lord says that he will make his people jealous. How? By the Gentiles accepting and receiving the Messiah. Now, if we are preaching like some falsely preach dual covenant or dual theology, the question is, how are the Israelites going to be jealous? Absolutely. Yeah. How are they going to be jealous? Jealous about what? Mm -hmm. Because they have gotten their own way of salvation as opposed to the way that God has given. So once again, it comes to lack of knowledge or preconceived ideas and notions or wanting rather to please the Jews at the expense of the purity of the gospel. That Bible says that all shall be saved. Let me point out something here that is quite um, interesting. And I think it's found somewhere in the book of Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles, I think it's chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Haripun verse 10, and this is when Peter and John were before the, the council, the priests, being examined by them. Let me read from verse 9. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, <coughs> by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, 
Even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner, referring to Jesus Christ as the head of the corner. And Peter was referring, was making this statement to his fellow Jewish brethren. And then he says something in verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We, referring to his, himself and his Jewish brethren, there were no Gentiles in this meeting. There were no, um, you know, well, the word right word is actually Gentiles in this meeting. They were all Jews. Jews they consisted of Jews. And he was telling his fellow Jewish brethren that there's no other name. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you can be saved. we must be saved. Absolutely. You see? So that in itself destroys, you know, completely the theology, you know, of dual covenant, dual theology. That there's going to be a different way of salvation for the Jews from that of, um, of the Gentiles. No, no, no. It's not scripture. No matter how much people try to fabricate, you know, and conjure scriptures and, you know, teach scriptures out of context, it's not possible. It's not possible at all. We had a call just while you were saying. I'm going to give the caller a call back. Okay. And so if you're still listening, whoever that caller was, we're just going to give you a call back. So please... Um, do stay on the line and we'll call you straight back and hopefully get you on air and let's see if we can find out who, who that person is so we're ringing your, your phone that we had two calls actually it's the same number so hopefully that person will respond and we can get them on air good evening welcome along to Jensen Christian Radio who's calling It's okay, sir. Take your time. Um, what were you thinking of, sir, in, in relation to expanding? That's a really good question, sir, and that's what I was alluding to a few moments ago, that we had this concept of Jesus being born a baby in swaddling clothes and staying that way for the next two or three years until Herod came looking for him. He was growing, and he probably would have been about two or three, but obviously we'll listen to what Samson says, but he was a young a young child, wasn't he? Yes, he was, and um, it's, it's amazing how the Lord works. God is always ahead of man because God deliberately, I mean, he puts young child seven times in that chapter. Seven is the number of perfection. Yes. And God deliberately does that because he knew that there's going to be some error, some tradition later on down the line 
that will give um, a different story, you know, tradition. But actually, it's so important that we understand that Jesus Christ was a young child at this time. And so this implies so many things. Because it means, therefore, that for two whole years that Christ had been born, nothing happened. Mm. There was silence. We know that um, uh, initially the angel appeared to the um, to the shepherds who were watching the, the flock by night. And then we also have Simeon when he was a babe. This, this, these are the babe, uh, the babe experiences. We have the shepherds who were told that this day a child is born. We have um, Simeon who was there when they came to dedicate uh, Jesus Christ, when they brought him to the temple, rather for the purification of, the, of Mary. We have Simeon who was a prophet that God spoke to that he wouldn't die until he sees the salvation of the Lord. And we also have a prophetess called Anna. A widow. Now, those were three experiences of when Christ was a babe. But guess what? After two whole years thereabout, nothing. Obscurity. And, and it actually reflects the darkness. The the um yes, darkness is the word. That was it's spiritual darkness and dullness and denseness, right? That was um, that was in the days that Christ was born and as he was growing up, that for two whole years, nothing else happened yeah. until Gentiles come from the east, miles and miles and miles away, and come into Jerusalem. Let's, let's think about this, because this, is, this in itself is a message. Anna, Simeon, the shepherds, all had revelation about the baby Jesus in Jerusalem. They all had a revelation about him. The shepherds, Bethlehem, Judah, but the other two, Simeon and Anna, was actually in Jerusalem that he had revelation. Yeah. So if we take that of Simeon and Anna, it means that they held the child, they prophesied about the child, they spoke about the baby when the baby was brought to the temple. They, people were around and for two whole years, guess what? They did nothing about it. They did absolutely nothing about it. The people didn't say, well, let's go and see what Simon has said, the revelation. And the Bible tells us in the book of Luke that he actually spoke by the Spirit of God. In the book of Luke, Luke, I'll read chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. In this chapter, we have the shepherds who had revelation in Bethlehem, Judah. But also we have the revelation from two people in Jerusalem. Let's look at verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising, that's it, of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Yeah. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, was accomplished or were accomplished, they brought him, this is now, to Jerusalem. So, this is when they brought him as a babe Baby. to Jerusalem. To present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And as they were, you know, doing the presentation, we're now told in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem 
whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just, devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Amen. And it came by the Spirit, once again, revelation. Nobody gets to know the Lord through head knowledge. By the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child to Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, listen to this, then he took then took he him up in his hand arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thy thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. He was doing this in the public. So we can imagine the scene. People would have watched. They would say, well, what is he talking about? He's saying that this is the Messiah. Mm. And yet for two years afterwards, there was no follow up in Jerusalem. It just shows us the darkness that you know was was um, prevalent as at that time. In fact, he goes on to say, "And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also." that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And as that was going on, what are you trying to take that, you know, uh, to heart? And they're two trying to find, figure out what he was talking about. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Panuel, of the tribe of Asa. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about 80 years, 84 years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instance, so it means after Simeon had done what he did, taking the child from the parent, he wasn't the priest, but he did that, and by the leading and by the unction of the Holy Spirit, speaks about Jesus Christ as the Savior. The woman also comes afterwards and gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and speak of him, just listen to this, to all to all them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. And yet two years after, yeah. it's as if nothing happened. Absolutely. It's awesome. Sarah, does that clarify things for you? Does that give you the, the answer you're looking for? Does that sort of, uh, rest with your own opinions and your own thoughts on this? It's very lovely. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Sarah, bless you. Good night. Take it God, easy. God, God bless you. Thank bye you. Bye-bye now. Bye. Yeah, just in case anyone else is calling in tonight, it's just a single man operation. So if you call whenever we're speaking, don't think we, we don't recognize your call. We will. It'll just register on the system and I'll call you back. So don't get too worried, too frustrated if you're calling and think, they're not answering. They're not. We, we can see the call coming up and we will take it. Just sometimes it's not appropriate to take the call yes. when, when, when pastors make speech or such. Do you know, it's a really relevant point to me, this, that yes. we have this, this mindset, even people who are outside the church, that this all happened within a, within a few days. Yeah. That the Magi came, yes. that the, the shepherds came, the baby was born, Herod went looking for them, they ran off to Egypt, 
and then a little while later they come mm, back, mm. you know, because Herod had died, yes. and it all happened within a few yes. couple of days, you know. Yes. And we still have this image, and I'm not trying to you know, sideline things to the yes. Catholic Church, but we still have this perpetual image Absolute. of Jesus being a baby. Uh, absolutely. Ab- it's just, you should say it was two and a half, three years yes, a period yes, of time. Yes, yes. And Sarah, Herod gauged this on what the period of time that the, the, the wise men, yes. when they came to him. Yes. And one of the things I want to follow up, and again, this is something that struck me, having read this a few times recently, pending you coming. I was very curious that the Lord had chosen what we would probably refer to as Zoroastrian, or something very similar, mm. those wise men from the East. And you're quite correct. Mm. There could have been five, six, ten, or fifteen yes. of them. Yes. We only measure the three because we look at those gifts. And again, that's tradition and Catholicism and all the sort of imagery mm. that we have. But the point I'm getting at here is that the Lord chose to announce it to these guys, and they didn't say when the Scriptures... From the actual verse, they said, "Where is he? Not who is he." Mm. So they believed in who he was yes. and his deity yes. and his rightful appointment. They just yes. wanted to come and worship. Yes. So the question I have, and it doesn't answer it in the scriptures that I'm aware of, would they have been believers in so much that they believed he was the Messiah? So would they have been believers? Very good question. And the answer is, when you look at the end result, the answer is yes. Hmm. Were they believers before the star? We don't know. We don't know. But whatever happened, we do know that when they saw the star, the star eventually made them believers mm. for so many reasons. Number one, revelation. They came, it was revelation. And even if they were, you know, astrologers and they were doing the, you know, the zodiac and what have you, the fact remains is that when they saw the star, something hit them. It wasn't as if they were going next, they were going next door to go and look for the Savior. They traveled miles. Yeah. And they saw the star. Now let's let's even put this into context now. Because if they saw the star, if they saw the star two years ago, because Herod said, When did you actually see this star? And that's what two years comes from, isn't it? Yeah. Two years, about two years ago. So it means they had been traveling a long time. Mm-hmm. And they had faith. Probably they had not gone to Jerusalem before. They had not probably they had not met the people before. But what is faith? Faith simply means that we are walking on the basis of what God has said. That's what faith faith is defined as believing God's word and taking action on the basis of the word of God. So even if we assume that they were unbelievers before. The revelation they got, it's just like uh, Paul the Apostle, he was an unbeliever before, though he thought he was serving the Lord. But when he he got to, before he got to Damascus, just before he got to Damascus, and the Lord appeared unto him, he ended up being a believer. And how do we know? By his life. All of a sudden, he changed from being close to the Pharisees to going to meet the disciples in Damascus, the very same people he had left Jerusalem to persecute. So these people now, if they were unbelievers, maybe there were people who are gazing at the star, God has a way of saving the the dirtiest. He has a way of saving unbelievers. He has a way of saving those who are near to church and those who have never been to church before. It's revelation. Isn't this a wonderful thing? We looked last time at uh, chapter 1. We looked at the lineage of the Lord. We've seen the rogues and scoundrels and all the mix and match of people that were his earthly great-grandparents and so on. Yes. They're a real mixed bag of people. Yes. 
And then we come to this concept of him being born in a stable in the manger. And again, we get all this possibly out of context and we get the whole imagery and we, we romanticise it. Yes. And it's quite clear that they were in a house. Yes. They weren't in a stable. No. 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 However, he was still born in humble yes. circumstances. And I had a look at Matthew Henry and Matthew yes. Henry says this. And he says, if the son of God must be brought into the world, one might justly expect that he should receive with all the ceremony possible mm. the crown scepters should immediately have been laid at his feet mm. and that the high and mighty princes of the world should have been his humble servants yes such a messiah as the jews expected yes but they see none of it absolutely he came into the world as we know and the world knew him not yes now he came to his own and they received him not yes and that, to me, again, just epitomizes the whole message that the Lord brings. You mentioned it earlier, humility yes. and a servant heart. Yes, yes. Very the washing true. of the feet. Yes. He could have came. Yes. And he could have been born in a glorious mansion. Yes. With servants and all that imagery we can imagine. And today with bands playing and yes. all announcements on ITN news, all that sort of stuff. Yes. But the reality is he chose not to do that. Absolutely. The, the Bible says in the book of, um, I think it's Jeremiah or Isaiah actually, that the Lord dwells amongst the humble. Yeah. Amongst the humble. He dwells with the lowly. And what we see in Christ Jesus is actually the character. He came to reflect the character of God the Father and how the Father operates. God hates pride. Mm. It stinks before he just can't stand pride and Christ came to show us how we are to relate with him and relate with our fellow men in all humility which is extremely important for us if we truly want to walk with him but the other point is this uh, brother Amos is that without revelation nobody can know God or have an encounter with God it demands revelation so why you have the people in Jerusalem not having the revelation you have people the wise men coming from a long way away maybe they were Arabians or they came from Mesopotamia we're not too sure but or Persia but these people far away they were but they had received revelation about the Lord and they were so convinced about that revelation that even though Christ was in a humble place, he was in Bethlehem, Judea, Judea, we see him, we see them rather coming to him and worshipping him. And like you have rightly said, when they saw the child, there was no crown on his head. He didn't wear anything that was, you know, unique or different or they would, would distinguish him as the king. But how did these people, the wise men, how did they know that he was God? To the point Absolutely. that they worshipped the child. Mm. Revelation, so important. So they received that revelation and they followed it, they followed it through. And without revelation, nobody can know the Lord. And again, that brings us back to that very famous scripture, the heavens declare the glory, the glory of, of God. the Lord. Yes. And when we look at revelation in the theological concepts, whether the spiritual revelation through the Holy Spirit, the word of God, or that generalized 
revelation. Yes. And we see that, that the heavens declare yes, his glory absolutely. every time. We have a, an email in from Damiana, I hope I pronounced that properly tonight, Damiana Fonseca, who is just commenting on the fact when you said the revelation prompts the revolution. And this is what he says. Thanks and good evening. He said, uh, good evening, everyone. Praise God. I enjoy listening to this teaching. Just want to add free comments regarding the young child. It's amused me how we can and are carried in line with tradition. Yes, glory be to God for his plan. Never fail, Lord. Jesus was born to die for the world. So no, Herod's plan would not work, no matter how hard he could try. Amen. Thank God for his mercy, grace, and above all, his love for us that brought salvation to the world. And another fact he has, just to close, which is the revelation bit. He said his, another fact is about the revelation for God revealed to the wise men. Open my eyes and my understanding mm. that the revolution comes through God's revelation. Thank you very much. Amen. Praise you, brother. Thank you for your email. It's really good. It's encouraging. Yes, yes. And it is, again, it's the same thing. A lot of people are starting to realize that a lot of this mysticism and a lot of this conjured ideal that we have that just romanticizes the Bible and the yes. whole narrative of Jesus' birth yes. and the whole Christmas thing. The reality is, to coin a phrase, it's nonsense. Yes. It promotes people selling Christmas cards and, all, <laughs> and those little manger things. You get yes. all the little figurines and yes. a straw basket and all that sort of stuff. But the reality is Jesus came into the world yes. to save the sinners. Absolutely. That's everybody. Absolutely. Jew and Gentiles. Gentiles. But he God. came to prophesy that scripture that Absolutely. he would come as king of the Jews. And that's why Bethlehem is so, so significant with that Micah scripture from 5-2, isn't it? Yes, it is indeed. It is indeed. And I just wanted to one step back to, you know, to uh, the wise men about being saved. You can stop me anywhere, anytime you have um, a question that comes through, I don't mind. Okay. Uh, but how do we know they became believers? Number one, they took that. It, it takes a believer to travel that far, come with gifts and be so determined to see the one who is born king of the Jews. It takes faith. That's faith. Yeah. To be a believer means you are taking faith on the basis of God's word, on the basis of God's revelation. Number two, when they got to Jerusalem, and why did they go to Jerusalem? Because the mindset, if he's going to be born king of the Jews, of course he has to be Jerusalem. That's the metropolis. We don't expect him to be in Bethlehem to do that. So that's why they went to Jerusalem. But when they got to Jerusalem, what did they say? Where is he that is born? born. That's yeah. that's a believer. Not being born, they knew he was already born. Absolutely. Which goes back to what you were saying about the star. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that means they, they, they were believers. They believed mm -hmm. as at that point in time. Not only that, this is very this is very good. The angel appears to them. Do not go back to Herod. The angel of the Lord appears to them and they obey. Showing once again that they had actually become believers of the God of Jesus Christ. Mm. And they obeyed by not going back to Herod, because once again, they acted on the basis of the revelation of the word of God. So we don't know if they were saved before they left, but before they saw the star. But one thing we do know, the revelation they received revolutionized their lives Convinced and they became believers absolutely amen. amen and that is the thing we look at scripture sometimes and we read these stories oh i know this story so we skip or we don't read it again yes. because i'm our child oh yes. i know what's going on yes. there yes and we look for things in romans or mm. galatians we, mm. we think it's more meaty yes 
But if you miss this and overlook this, Absolutely. you're missing vital steps in that journey Absolutely. of the Lord to take his rightful position amongst Abs- the Jews. Absolutely. And one of the things that I noticed, and you've mentioned about the angels. Yes. Joseph, who was the Lord's adopted earthly father, yes. he was obviously a very honoured man. And when we meet him in heaven, mm. I think he's going to have a very special place oh, yes. at the Lord's table. Mm. Because you don't entrust your son to anybody. Mm. He entrusted Mary mm. to bring his child in to, and be the mother mm. and look after him maternally. Yes. But you're looking for a very special man, a very humble, but yet very strong and obedient man. Yes. To look after your son. So if you're looking for a babysitter, you're not looking for some idiot who's mm. doing all sorts of stupid things. You're yes. looking for somebody who's reliable. Absolutely. And Joseph was obedient in everything he the was. Lord said to him through the angel. And in verses 12, I mean, 12, 13, 19, 22, yes. it says that through the dreams. Mm-hmm. He was no doubt yes. that it was the Lord yes. speaking to him in dreams. He hadn't heard it from anybody yes. outside. Yes. yes. There was no other visitation. Yes. No one came to him. It wasn't in scripture. Yes. The Lord spoke to him in yes. dreams. Absolutely. And he had absolutely no qualms whatsoever. Taking my son to Israel, okay, Lord, we're going. Yes. You know, yes. without any hesitation. Yes. And that to me epitomizes the response that we should have in all things of yes. the Lord. Absolutely. When He says something, if you trust Him, truly trust Him, yes. and truly call Him your Lord and Savior, yes. there's nothing you wouldn't do, knowing that He's done everything for us. We don't deserve it, Absolutely. yet He's done everything for us. That's, ver- that's very true. But indeed. sometimes we go, why me, Lord? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, there's a song called uh, Why Me, Lord. Yes. But actually, when you go back to um, the life of Joseph and the angelic ministration that he received and how the Lord spoke to him, sometimes people read these um, verses and wonder why they are not experiencing angelic ministration today. And the question is, has God changed? No. Uh, The question is, have the angels gone on holiday? Well, the answer is no and yes, in the sense that they are not actually on holiday because they want to take a holiday. But we're living in times where people are not really giving themselves to the Lord, devoting themselves to the 